So how famous do you think you are? Uh, not very famous. Like this famous. What was that? What were you holding in your hands? No, I meant like, uh, like a small amount of fame. Uh, I mean, do you, are you asking in terms of like us weekly fame, like celebrity? Because we're not, we're not. You are, you are way more famous than any of my friends. That's okay. I am. Welcome to Generation Lost, the show about movies with Bryn. And Jeremy. And today we're talking about movies. We're talking about <laughs> fucking movies. The, the show that takes itself not too seriously. Not too seriously. It's pretty lighthearted. It's a lighthearted show. Uh, and it's about movies. It's about movies. Thanks for joining us. I'm really amped up to talk about movies today, as it were. Really? Why don't yeah. you get right into it? Because I saw a fucking great flick Let's... that I have to recommend right off the bat before I even talk not, about it. We're, we're not even going to do a preamble, tell nope. you what it is. We're recommending it. I'm recommending it. Not me. I've never seen it. From the jump. You might have seen it. I don't know. Sure, yeah. uh, I saw Red Rocket. Oh, the, uh, yeah. The okay. new, um, what's his name? Um, Sean Baker. Sean Baker. The new Sean Baker joint, uh, creator of such fantastic films as Tangerine and The Florida Project. Oh, that guy directed it too? Yeah. Oh. That motherfucker. So and the, the same writing staff. He's got like, he's got these two dudes who he like, I guess, collaborates with on all his movies and they're, they all write the stories together. Okay. Um, and uh, if you liked, I'll just say right off right off the bat, if you liked Tangerine, you'll love this. Uh, it's fantastic. It's in very much the same spirit of sort of like colorful, bleak, you know, uh, uh, like grimy, like un unset. Like, what's the word for like? It, it, it's like it's a horny movie that does not make you horny. <laughs> Like uh, it's it's, a, it's like, such a powerful vibe that he's cultivating <laughs> for himself, and like he's so consistently nailing it in every movie. It's right. unreal. What is that called? It, I would say it's like there must be like some German word for it. Yeah, but but it's a uh, shot and fuck. It's lewd or uh, <laughs> uh, no. But the thing is, like, fuck. <laughs> like, it, like lewd even kind of implies that you might get horny from it. You will not get horny from this movie. It's, I promise. There, there's fucking. There's but, so much fucking and nudity and and but it's just not hor- like it just doesn't make you very horny at all. Interesting. We'll see about that. We'll see about that. <laughs> I'll take that as a challenge. In fact, uh, so Red Rocket yeah. uh, tells the story of um, uh, a a a porn star who's kind of like. It's not clear if he's washed up and aged out of porn or if he kind of got like chased out of porn for being chased kind of out. a piece of shit. Um, like a rapist? Is that ever implied? Uh, I wouldn't say it's implied, but it's not necessarily out of the... Uh, uh, like it, it's not exactly like uh, uh, out, like unbelievable. Um, but it, it seems like he got chased out for just being a general piece. So his name is Mikey Saber. And right. he, he's moving back to his hometown in Texas from L.A. And um, he goes back to his ex-wife, who he's not actually legally divorced from. She lives with her mother. And um, they uh, he tries to like be like, hey, can I fucking stay with you? And she's like, no. And he's like, please. And she's like, no. And he's like, come on. I, I'm going to sleep in the fucking park if I can't sleep here. I got no money at all. And she's like, okay, fine, you can stay with us. Mm-hmm. And he, like, from that moment on, just, like, worms his way into her life. And, like, you know, he starts, like, selling weed to make money and to help them with bills and whatever. And, like, you know, it's clear that, like, the mom is just, like, really skeptical of him. And the ex-wife is pretty skeptical, but, like, kind of, like, it seems like her life is, like, not really going too hot. Um, So she's kind of like, maybe this will be a good thing for me. I don't know. Um but so basically he like he worms his way back into their lives and uh he's kind of like a freeloader but then anytime he gets called out for being a freeloader he's like actually here's a lot of money 
Oh, why does he have so much money? Because he's selling weed and he's like stashing the money under his mattress. And then like when he gets called out for like not helping with bills, he's like, well, how's this for fucking helping out with the bills? Rent is covered this month. And they're like, <laughs> oh, we love you, Mikey. <laughs> so he's just a manipulative asshole. Yes, exactly. Uh-huh. But he's like a charming manipulative he's asshole. He's so charming. Yes. Uh-huh. The, the actor is Simon Rex. So who... this is one, what, I, what I was interested in is because it's fucking Simon Rex, uh-huh. who most people probably have no idea what that name is. And I honestly didn't either but i did recognize him instantly he's from scary movie scary movie three for specifically mm. i think he might is he in some of the other he's ones? in one two and three i believe and i love him in scary movie three um he's also in the other i didn't realize this he's in the other scary movie he's in shriek if you know what i did last friday the 13th he is first that came out first which is hilarious he's in both of them <laughs> <laughs> but he was in a lot of that stuff he was in uh he he was an mtv vj i believe he was is how he started his career oh right yeah yeah and he was in going greek he was in pledge this he Mm -hmm. was in uh, the superhero movie the one that's just called superhero movie and then he became a rapper and he (laughs) is like he does like little cameos in a lot of videos anyway the point is uh he is a fucking revelation he is so Mm. good in this movie it's unreal so okay so he's he's being a manipulative freak and and you know, getting the family to to take him in and whatever. He starts hanging out with their next door neighbor who was a child who uh, his ex-wife babysat when they were teenagers. Uh, and now he's like their next door neighbor. He's an adult now because it's like 20 some odd years later. Uh-huh. Uh, so he's an adult who lives next door. And he's like, Mike, you're so fucking cool, dude. Like, we always talk about how cool it was that you moved out to LA and whatever. And he's like using that then to kind of like manipulate this kid into like driving him places and like helping him out with stuff and whatever like basically the whole movie is about mikey just like worming his way into people's lives and manipulating them to get whatever he wants uh but the main main story of the movie is that he meets this girl who works at a donut shop who (laughs) introduces herself to him as strawberry uh but nobody calls her strawberry except for him okay uh but she introduces herself as strawberry and uh, he falls in love with her, but not really, but sort of like he's obsessed with he her. He wants to fuck her. And- he wants to fuck her for sure. She's very, very attractive. But like anytime he's talking about her to somebody else, he's always like, yeah, like she's my ticket back to L.A. She's going to be great in porn. Like I'm going oh, he to get her. He wants to get her into porn. Does she want to get into porn? No, <laughs> but she like. Does he say that to her, though, specifically? Yeah, like, and she like pretty much expresses porn. to him like, no, I'm not interested in getting into uh-huh. porn. Uh, but maybe sort of like in a kinky way, she's like interested in talking about it. Okay. But like, she's not interested in it. The main thing though, to know about strawberry is that she is 17 years old. Right. <laughs> uh, when he finds out, he says to his, you know, to the next door neighbor kid, he's like, dude, she's fucking 17. So she's fucking legal. Like, he's like so excited about this as if to say, like, if she was under 17, like I would still want to fuck her, but right, like, but I would, but I would be no, but I would be sneaky about it. <laughs> <laughs> God. Um, but so, but so this is what's so magical about uh, uh, Sean. Is it Sean Baker? I keep forgetting the director. His name. Is Sean yeah, Baker. Sean Baker. I really got to remember his name because I fucking love his movies. Yeah, yeah. And I really, I feel like an asshole for not knowing his name. Yeah, we've never really talked about, and the reason is because I've never seen any of them. You've never seen any of them. I didn't see Tangerine or uh, Florida Project. Dude, you gotta see these I've, movies. People They're keep telling all me so good. Uh, so. Anyway, this is this is kind of the magic of this filmmaker, right? Is like finding these like really like fringe personalities, these like fringe lifestyles that people live and like not only finding ways to like make you sympathize with them, but make you kind of like like rooting for them a little bit or at yeah, least like sure. at least like really invested in what happens to this guy cuz like you don't necessarily root for him through this. You definitely don't want him to win. But like <laughs> well, you don't want him to do anything bad. But your eyes are just glued to him the whole movie and like it's just unreal. He's f- he's fucking this 17-year-old girl <laughs> behind his ex-wife's back who he's still living with and fucking. Is and that legal in Texas, I guess? Yeah, 17 is the age of consent in Texas it seems oh. and and but his, he's like trying to keep his wife from finding out and he's like not fucking her as much anymore. And then so she's getting suspicious and whatever. Anyway, the point is all of this stuff is happening over the backdrop of a very specific period piece that it is, which is oh. it's taking place in 2016. 
And so through oh. all of this stuff, as you're kind of like learning about Mikey Saber and learning about what kind of like manipulative piece of shit he is, all over the news all the time is like the run up to the election. And weird. And you see like, you know, Trump and Hillary and Hillary just getting completely like obliterated by by Trump's charisma and whatever. <laughs> and so it's very clearly trying to like make this tie between Mikey Saber and Donald Trump as sort of like Trump is this sort of like smooth talking huckster who like nobody believes his shit, but everybody wants to believe his shit. So everybody kind of goes along with it until they get wrung out and then they find themselves (laughs) on the other side of it and they're like, damn, how did I get fucked by Mikey Saber again? (laughs) You know, because it's like his ex-wife knows better. She knows what Mikey is capable of doing to her, but he's but she still is like, yeah, I think like maybe maybe this will work this time. That's so weird. So it feels like a political commentary, or do no? It, it's it so of, it's so in the background. It's weirdly subtle about it's it. Perfect. It's perfect. It's like it's it's like a light. It's a light dusting throughout the movie that, like, to the degree that I hadn't thought about it until long after I was done watching. Oh, interesting. And that's that's when you know that like some subtext, like really. Yeah. Fucking nice. <laughs> yeah. Because like the whole movie, like I'm just like you over the head. Yeah. The whole movie, I'm just like this is about Mikey Saber wanting to fuck a 17 year old yeah. and wanting to get her into porn and wanting to like use everybody for his own means. And then like the next morning, I wake up and I'm just like, oh, it was Trump, right? But it's also <laughs> could I mean in that sense, could it also sort of be using what we know about some something that actually happened to sort of color the story like the other way around where it's like using trump to tell the story oh, more sure, yeah. fully of absolutely uh, mm-hmm. that's really interesting it's I've never, very good don't know if i've ever really seen that before of like tying a a larger moral tale that you already know not even moral tale but like a historical thing mm-hmm. to a smaller thing to sort of flesh out the smaller thing yeah very interesting and and, Twin Peaks, and nobody maybe? nobody <laughs> talks about trump ever nobody talks about politics ever it's right. not about that they don't care it's just on tv like when they're watching tv that's what's on huh. that's the only thing you get weird it's so good and 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 it's really well directed i want to say like this guy he really has such a good like i say it all the time but he has a very good sense of smell like the <laughs> the yeah, way yeah, yeah. that the way that the environment it feels very lush. It feels everything feels really like nice and lived in and 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 comfortable and and real. And what's fascinating about him is that Tangerine, I believe, takes place in L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, Florida Project takes place in Orlando. This takes place in Texas. Yeah, he doesn't have a city. He doesn't have a place that he knows. I wonder where he's from. Yeah, right. We got to look that up now. Um, Sean Baker is from New Jersey. Interesting. Uh huh. Fascinating. He really gets places very well. Right. It's. Um, I mean that I've seen a little of because I remember when Tangerine came out, it was like people were making a big deal about it being shot on an iPhone. Mm-hmm. Um. So I watched to see what it was like. I watched a couple clips, and boy, does that fucking feel like L.A. Yeah. Like it looks good. It looks fine. You wouldn't really know it was shot on an iPhone. Yeah. Um. I kind of like it because it looks kind of like a home video, but it's like more digital than that. But it doesn't look like a shitty digital camera. It looks yeah. it has a very specific look that feels so L.A. to me. Mm-hmm. Like the look of it, even though I've never I wasn't there when iPhones were around. But yeah. it's like something about it really ev- evokes the vibe. Um, and I haven't seen Florida Project and I hate Florida, but. Honestly, that's partially the reason I haven't watched it because I fucking hate Florida, and I'm yeah. like, I don't want to feel that vibe. You should definitely watch it, though. It's it's I'll watch it. Gorgeous. It's such a beautiful. <laughs> it's a beautiful film, and it like it, it. It's just interesting his eye for little details of place, right? Where like Florida Project, one of the things that he's really obsessed with in that is like kind of kitschy, um, like big stuff. So like a big like. I, I mean, I'm making this up because I don't really remember what the images are necessarily, but like a big golf ball, 
you know, like like a golf course that has like a big golf ball out yeah. front as like kind of like a thing to attract people. Like he's like really fixated on that sort of thing. Interesting. Um, and like the idea of like the Magic Kingdom being a visible thing in the background of shots. Yeah. That take place at like a shitty motel nearby. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's really fascinated by that in that movie. And and in this, he gets this really interesting sense of like. There, the town that it takes place in has like an oil refinery or something where a mm. bunch of people work and like Mikey starts selling weed to them. Uh, but like the idea of like this donut shop being the place where the refinery guys go to get donuts in the morning and like that being kind of just like in the background of, of things like it is part of the story sort of, but not really. It's just kind of like a thing that happens but like Mikey will be hanging out talking to Strawberry behind the counter at the donut shop and you'll just see dudes in like hard hats and yellow jackets coming in and out of the donut shop uh-huh. over and over again. And it's the kind of like little detail that you're just like, this guy Feels lives like a here, place. Yeah. But like he doesn't. Mm-hmm. And that's a really fascinating thing. So how does it end? Like, I mean, you don't I don't, spoil it. I really don't want to tell but you. But it's a really good ending. It's so good. Okay. I'll watch it. You should really watch it. You should watch all of these. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen his earliest movies. I haven't seen anything before Tangerine. I thought Tangerine was his debut, but it's not. Oh. Uh, he's got a movie called Starlet that I never saw. Oh, and I And a couple other things. I didn't know that. Yeah. I really got to watch all this shit now. Four I, letter words. After what, I watched this whole movie without realizing that it was him. And then once I looked it up, I was like, damn, fuck. This guy really makes some of my favorite movies. And I, I it's crazy, like... It's crazy that I I don't know his name that well and that like he isn't I I'm not regularly saying Sean Baker is one of my favorite filmmakers but I got, yeah. I'm going to start saying that more regularly. And we regularly. should also start including him in like when we want people to direct stuff. Be Definitely. Like, what would yes. happen if Sean Baker did it? What would happen if Sean Baker got a big budget for a movie? What would it be? <laughs> it's funny cuz they should they should let him make Watchmen. Ooh. That is who should fucking make Watchmen. Well, it's Damn. already haven't been made. I know, but they should do it again, and they should let him do it, because he'll get it. Yeah, He'll for sure. get how much the superheroes are supposed to suck and not be cool. <laughs> he also worked on Greg the Bunny, and he's Yes, 50. he made Greg the Bunny. Oh, that's cool. I've seen yeah. that. He's the inventor of Greg the Bunny, and apparently. he's fucking 50 years old. Yeah. That's wild. He looks like a child. Uh-huh. Uh, what a cool guy. What a cool guy. All right, well, shout out Sean Baker. Yeah. Um, everybody go watch red rocket it's it's probably my favorite movie of last year damn um, high praise damn good movie i Very wanted to funny. see it when i saw the fucking trailer because i i liked simon simon rex and i thought it was interesting that he's like making a weird comeback as this like this very specific story of a guy yeah. coming back to he's excellent in this movie and i sort of s- talked about it you uh, also see his dick a lot well <laughs> great <laughs> um on he the has last, a huge dick on the last bonus i talked about how night in the woods should be a movie which is about like failing and coming back to your hometown right yeah this sounds very different type of story but mm-hmm. yeah i'm interested yeah it rules it's very good cool what did you watch this week? Uh, thank you for asking. You're very I welcome. I watched, uh, well, I got. I, I watched a couple of things. None of them are actually movies or like long movies. Okay. So, so I wanted to mention, I went and saw um, my friend, Ben Chirai, uh made a short film um, and screened it at a bar. Cool. And I went and saw, they have like a thing called the real, real, like real, real. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did like four short films. So I watched four local f- short films. Uh, one was my friend Ben's, which was very funny. It was sort of a mock. It was sort of a a mockery of like Netflix documentary, and it was just about him and his girlfriend like f- dealing with a mouse in their house. Okay, which is all taken very seriously, except for the like recreations, which are like Suspiria or something. <laughs> <laughs> like it's really heightened and like lots of like Netflix style like recreations. Mm-hmm. Um. And so, like, the the humor, the comedy comes out of, like, how over-the-top those are. Um, and it's very good. It was probably the best thing he's made. Um, but there was also this, like, uh, just really, some really lowbrow things. Like, a guy made, like, a green screen movie where it was just, like, a retelling of uh, Edgar Allan Poe, uh, Cask of Amontillado. But it was uh, just, like four loco at a punk house or whatever and it was uh-huh. like, really lame <laughs> um but um 
there was also this one and I'm not sure how great it was, but it was like about this, these two Jewish girls um, who were like, they're sort of like Orthodox mm-hmm. and their father has left their mother and, um, uh, and is now dating a shiksa. Um, okay. And so he has like the girls for the weekend and the, the, the goy new girlfriend is like a horseback rider. She's an equestrian. She's like riding horses or whatever. And they like are wearing like black dresses and like they're not allowed to wear pants or whatever. Um, and so it's just about them sort of like being in the presence of this like older woman who rides horses and like, she wants to ride a horse and the one of them is like, you're not allowed. And like, they have like this argument. It's just this like little story. That's very clearly like pretty, um, pretty, autobiographical yeah um she ends up like freaking out on her sister and hitting her with a riding crop but the it's like the kind of thing that would be in um high maintenance yeah 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 exactly it felt a lot like that i was it's not the best short story like the story was sort of okay mm-hmm. um but the acting was incredible like these little girls were just doing such a great job i thought it was really impressive nice. um I just wanted to shout out that that happens at Baby's All Right, apparently. Um, not Baby's All Right. All Night Skate is a All bar. Night Skate? Is a bar in Brooklyn. Do they have skateboarding? Nope. <laughs> it's a tiny bar that's skate, like a skating rink themed bar. That sucks. It's just a gay bar, really. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the vid- the movies were pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, the other thing I watched was Winning Time. Mm, uh, fu- I want to watch it. Fucking Winning Time rocks. I want to watch it so bad. I have only the first episode. It keeps every time is an hour long. It's been a very busy week. Yeah, uh, at the at the Farrell Hammond house, and uh, that's my wife's last name. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, at the Farrell Hammond house, it's been very busy. So like every night, it's been like up until about like ten o'clock is when we're like, okay, we can chill and watch something. And like winning time is an hour and Mo yeah. pretty reliably falls asleep at 1030. So it's like Damn. every time I'm just like. She wants to watch it. Yeah. And every time I'm just like, well, maybe next week. <laughs> Dude, it's so fucking it sick. It looks so sick. The acting is sick. Nice. The, like John C. Riley is off the charts good. Nice. Does it have the, does the film look nice the oh, whole time? Oh, it looks incredible. I th- was worried a little bit that it was just going to be the trailer. Oh, like no, that. it's all, it all it's looks all like 16. That. It nice. actually works, looks worse in places like because of they actually shot it on 16. Like mm-hmm. the lighting is wrong sometimes where it just looks like awful and it looks, it's so great. Nice. Um, I can't tell how it, there's a couple like Adam McKay things that I'm not sure how much I will be able to stomach if they do it too much, Mm -hmm. which is like, he does this thing where he edits really jarringly. Like he'll jump. Like the first time you see magic, he's like coming down the stairs and he's like saying something and then it'll cut like 10 seconds where he's like, already in the living room like grabbing something but the audio trails do you know what i'm saying it's really hard to describe i think i get what you mean yeah like he's like like, it's like it's like voiceover over him in a later moment from the last shot yeah he's like hey mama don't put that in there and like during that sentence it cuts to him like taking something from his mom like in the other room yeah i don't like that shit little he does it like a couple of times and i was like that's jarring and I don't get what it's supposed to mean. Probably it's nothing. Ju- it's, it's probably just, just to move things forward. But it's so weird. No one does that. Yeah. It's like, and he does it a couple of times. Uh, and I, those little things like it's, it's so stylized that it, you kind of overlook it. Um, John C. Riley really does talk to the camera the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, so far, no one else has done that. I don't mind that. I don't mind it at I all. Like it's that. fine. It's really cute. I feel like I've he's, talked about this before that like he's insanely charming. I love that in um House of Cards. Like uh that first season of House of Cards when it was a good show, when uh Kevin Spacey would talk to the camera, yeah, it was yeah. like fucking nice. But there was one episode, I think it's the second season, the first episode of the second season where like he doesn't talk to the camera ever until 
the very last scene <laughs> where like he's gone through whatever like brutal thing he did and then he like looks at you through the mirror like he's in the mirror the bathroom mirror and he like looks into the camera through the mirror and he's like you didn't think i'd forgotten about you oh yeah <laughs> it's like what so brutal <laughs> um yeah i like it he's he's really charisma off the charts mm-hmm. um he the whole first episode is him dealing with buying the lakers and yeah. like he's very rich but he like kind of doesn't have the money to buy the lakers mm-hmm. so it's like him like shuffling things around and trying to get the money and stuff and it's all very fun nice um the fucking cream of dual jabbar actor looks just like him mm-hmm. and it's so funny he's like reading f- uh fan on and like he- huey um Huey P. Newton and stuff and mm-hmm. like doesn't want to deal with any of these people and like all of that stuff. It's just, it's really good. Nice. The acting is really good. It's so surprising that they were able to cast the people they cast. Um, yeah, the cast is very impressive. Yeah, because I mean, they're nobodies. Obviously, they'd have to be to like look like them, but yeah, to like have them look like them and be able to play basketball and be able to act. Yeah, I was gonna say to have that many like really tall, funny black actors has got to be like pretty tough. <laughs> it seems really tough. Uh, I would say that like it's funny because Kareem Abdul-Jabbar isn't that good of an actor, mm-hmm. like his actor, but Kareem wasn't a good actor, right? And the only thing we really have of him in acting is bad where he's like, you know, he's acting like a basketball player. Like, Hey kid, tell your dad this, you know, like an airplane or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And he just nails that bad acting so well that it's like really works. <laughs> um, cause I don't think he's that great. Um, and so is it mostly following John C. Riley or are we like, we're with magic Johnson a fair amount. Uh, the first episode is, all John C. Riley and Magic linearly. Okay. Um, you're with Magic um, and his father. Um, and they're sort of having a lot of heart to hearts about like what they're doing, what deals they can expect, and like why Magic is so confident in himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that stuff isn't, I thought that was, they really nailed emotionally. Like it doesn't feel too sappy, it doesn't feel too played. Like, he's just it's just a show you know just feels really good and normal um there's a couple of over the top race stuff mm-hmm. that i was like it didn't bother me but it felt like is this how anyone would act in the 70s like not not too racist but too not racist you know what i mean like jerry what is the name of the owner of the lakers jerry something i don't know john c riley is like you know very very rich he's buying the lakers but he's like real not racist you mm-hmm. know what i mean and i just don't know if that's how he really like was. How, like how do you mean like are there like moments where he's like i respect black people no 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 like he's just like always on the level with like everyone else is like very racist to magic like there's a lot of like people calling him boy and stuff okay. and like he's like Oh, so they are calling attention to the racism of the time. Oh, yeah. But John time. C. Riley's character is not participating. Yeah. And Interesting. That, that feels like a decision made because they want they want you on his side. Yeah. And not because it's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I guess the story is that he was like these, you know, we're going to make a show. You know, we're going to we're going to make a, sh- a show that people want to watch. And we need charismatic people, people who are hot and yeah. tall and flashy. And I don't care if they're black. And and we're going to get white people to watch black people. And that mm-hmm. was like, that's the story that he's telling of like making the, the Showtime era of the NBA. Right. So he had to be a little not racist. But I don't know if like interpersonally he was like, hey, I understand. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it doesn't bother me, but it made me feel like, is that what happened? Yeah. Um, but otherwise uh yeah it's a really fascinating really fun show nice hitting on all cylinders i really i simply cannot wait to watch i can't wait for you to watch it i'm so excited about it (laughs) Uh, i think i'll watch one other thing but uh it doesn't matter i can't remember what it is you know it's funny before we move on uh so i watch you know in hbo max on the on the you know the the streaming service that they have and um we have an apple tv in my bedroom 
which is what we watch everything on. And uh, Nico has figured out how to work the Apple TV remote. <laughs> oh, no. He's still not allowed to watch TV. Okay. Uh, well, how do you keep that from him? Like, do you not have a TV? We just don't watch TV when he's up. Okay. So whenever he's awake, TV's off. We turn it on when he goes to bed, right? But he sees you, like, working on YouTube Yeah, yeah. He sees and... it. Well, but no, I mean, generally, like, if he's home, I'm trying to, like, if I'm done with, like, my job job for the day, like, I'm turning off the computer. Okay. Uh, so I try to like minimize how much of it he sees. Anyway, the point is he's learned how to use the Apple TV remote, which turns on the TV so he can turn on the TV and like he can just like move it around and whatever. And he just amuses himself scrolling it around. Yeah. But uh, somehow five different times he's uh, he's never opened any other show ever. Uh, but somehow five different times he has managed to open up Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> And every time it's been timed like a curb bit. Dun, dun, dun. So it's like <laughs> he'll like be, well, you know, I'll be like getting dressed or whatever. And he'll like knock over a glass of water that's up on the, up on the nightstand. And like, I'll be like, oh, fuck. <laughs> it just happens because yeah, he's turned it on right he's turned before it on, that. Yeah, exactly. That's crazy. It's so funny. It, and every time I'm like, I'm supposed to be scolding you so that you learn not but to do this. But, but I'm cracking up. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome it's when so is he gonna funny. be allowed uh i think his second birthday we'll start letting him start watching that's shit so early i mean it's weird because it's like it's not like every other kid he's his age is gonna be like oh your parents are weird for not letting you watch youtube until you're two yeah but most kids his age are already watching of shit. course um but as far as we've read in like developmental stuff like the brain is able to take it separated two, it. yeah yeah so he hasn't done the baby thing of like swiping magazines. oh he still can this is the thing though is that he still can like because he just he'll steal my phone for like a minute and like by the time i can get it back from him he's already like you know worked it a little bit <laughs> so like in these little moments he's like like yeah, learning his as brain much as he is can. like <laughs> reorganizing itself because the problem is he sees <laughs> us using the phone and so he's like fascinated yeah, by it that's, he's an like, adult I, that, that's an adult thing i need to know i gotta know <laughs> So anytime he gets it, he's like a fucking like, <laughs> just like, just like, like Johnny Five from Short Circuit. I know, I trying, yeah, exactly. I was trying to Info. think of like a good uh, a good example, but yeah, exactly. Like the moment he gets it, he just like tries to take in as much as he can <laughs> while he can. <laughs> so he can work the phone pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> like that SpongeBob episode where their eyeballs are all over the map. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, hopefully, babies are okay with that yeah i don't know it's so weird we'll see uh okay well let's get into the movie we watched this week yes um it is called 20 it's 2013's mistaken for strangers Mm -hmm. directed by tom berninger um this is a movie that i really liked when i saw um i am a fan of the national but it's funny because when the trailer show folks at home it is a documentary about the uh indie rock band the national sort of sort of yeah uh, but it's, it's a it's a ostensibly it is it is a documentary about the band the national going on tour yeah uh and which is a thing that a lot of bands will do at a certain level they'll make a mm-hmm. little tour documentary or whatever sure um and so when i saw the trailer yeah how was the trailer presented the trailer is presented with the whole premise oh okay so but i had heard that it was coming out and i was like oh okay i like that band maybe i'll watch it if it's interesting or whatever but usually i kind of avoid these things because they're usually just a lot of concert footage Mm -hmm. and maybe like them just dicking around on tour or whatever right but the trailer tells you the whole story and the story is that the national is a band made up of two sets of brothers and one guy who his brother isn't in the band and not only is not in the band he's a schlubby beavis and butthead version of him (laughs) um who is into metal yeah and making weird horror movies and maybe lives with his parents he does live with his parents yeah yeah and he kind of looks like will menneker yeah but he looks like matt berninger but chubby yeah and a little bit like will and um he basically is like hey brother I care about you. <laughs> uh, do you want to come on tour with us and like help? Yeah. Do you want to come be a roadie for us for, for a summer? And his name is Tom and he's like, yeah, but can I also make a tour documentary? And so this isn't a movie that is 
this isn't a tour doc that's made by their label or their managers to like promote anything. Yeah, it seems like if anything, the management is like actively saying like, <laughs> we actually don't want you to do this. We're and, really like, concerned that you might how the band will co- appear. And he's everyone is sort of just like, can you shut this off? Like, yeah, can you yeah do like your job? It, frequently people are saying to him <laughs> like, please stop making this movie. <laughs> right. So it's a it's a real it's a movie about one of the bigger indie rock bands at the time and currently probably the biggest rock band in the world mm-hmm. um or cur- you know currently active um that's sort of punk in a way of like this sort of in ethos of I, it's being done in in a way that isn't meant to be happening like no one wants it to be happening right and then it sort of becomes less about the band at all and more about his relationship to his brother mm-hmm. and his his inability to like get his life together and how he's like... constantly comparing himself to Matt and being jealous of his success. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, maybe doesn't seem to have a job or like mm-hmm. anything. And so ends up being a very different type of story. Um, so what did you think of this movie? So I will say it is a, the purpose of these movies, the purpose of band documentaries is to entice is either to like give a little bit of extra content to fans of the band or to get people who are kind of so, so on the band to want to listen to the band. I will say that this has been a very successful version of this type of movie because I don't know anything about the national. (laughs) They are a, they are a weird blind spot for me and they always have been like seeing them meet obama yeah i was like what What? (laughs) they were that big of a band yeah because to me like at some stage around like 2000 like 14 or 15 or so like i started hearing about like like big you know what it was no it wasn't even 2015 it was even later than that it was at um, a music festival that happened here in New York, not Governor's Ball, but the other one. It was like Panorama. Panorama, yes. At Panorama, they were playing. They were headlining one night, of course. And I saw it on the on the thing, and it was like you know, Run the Jewels was like early in the day, yeah. And like the National were headlining that day, and I was like, the National. <laughs> not even. It wasn't even the National. It was literally. I said, "Who are the National?" <laughs> and everybody in my friend group was like. What do you mean who are the national <laughs> like yeah are they like a is it like a rat like are they like a hip-hop group like who are they yeah yeah and everyone's like no it's the fucking national yeah. and i'm like yeah i really genuinely like i don't know how it happened because it's not even during a time period of my like it's not when i was like living in the haunted mansion eating a fucking sleeve of oreos a day <laughs> like dying of starvation it's <laughs> It is a time period where I was listening to indie rock. Right. Like, it's a time period where I was like, yes, listening to like WNYC all the time and shit. They played it, I'm sure. Yeah. Somehow, (laughs) somehow, they just just skated right by me, did not listen to them. And even watching this documentary, I was like, I was like, oh, well, maybe like when I hear the songs, I'll be like, I'll be like, oh, the national. Not a single song sounded even remotely familiar to me. <laughs> no, nope. they're a weird band because they, you know, f- in my mind, I found out about them when a lot of people found out about them, which was their fourth album, Boxer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went backwards and listened to some of their earlier stuff, which is only okay. Their third album is incredible, and then everything after that I loved. Yeah. Um, and just I've been following them like love them but they're big so they're not like a cool cred band right you know so it's, it's yeah, you don't get any points for like no the it's like it's like liking the Ard- arcade fire when they were big you know like, okay yeah, yeah. It, it's like okay everyone likes the arcade fire so you're not really talking to people being like oh wow i'm meeting another national fan it's like yeah okay we all like it but if you didn't hit that window right when like obama was getting elected and like boxer was all over the place and then right. violet it's all sort of just been like this weird silent growth mm-hmm. that just like, I don't know what they're such a weird group because they f- like just fill arenas. Like they play Madison square garden. Yeah. But basically everyone you've either never heard of them or they're like, yeah, I like them. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. It's they are the weirdest band. I don't yeah. understand it. But anyway, the point is that like seeing this movie definitely made me think like maybe I'll maybe I'll give them a listen. I haven't yet, but They're like awesome. it does make me feel like I should probably give them a listen. I think to, I've I've said this on uh on Twitter and I it got a little bit of controversy, but the National is is this generation steely dan it is complex but easy to listen to like mm. they write music in seven and and like have yeah. very high quality production i would say um phoenix are our generation steely dan well these this are much bigger okay well but, fair enough but, but his lyrics are so dark and like about fatherhood and like longing for stuff and alcoholism and mm-hmm. very very sat- satirical but it feels so romantic and like easy to listen to and so people write them off as like almost twee yeah but you know it's really very political you know suicidal dark stuff but sort of in this nicer package very okay. pristine package so i think you know it's for dads it's music yeah. for you know older people so so maybe I'm at the right time of my life I to get into could, the national. I think you could like the national. I could definitely like the national. Anyway, the point is, <laughs> it's a good movie. I liked the movie a lot. Yeah. Um, definitely more than I like the national because I don't know the national. <laughs> but uh, I could even imagine if I liked the national, I would say I liked this movie more than I like the national. Me, um, yeah, me too. I mean, I mean, I like the net. Na- I love the national, and I love this movie. But it's not really. It's a fascinating movie because I genuinely don't know if I believe him. Okay, so when this movie came out, what had also just come out was Exit Through the Gift Shop. Yes, yeah, yeah. It and feels very Exit Through the Gift Shoppy, but not quite because he is really his brother. To me... And it does feel like he really went on the tour. So He's definitely his brother. So the way that the, the folks at home, because I don't imagine any of you have seen this no it's a real it no it made like a little splash in like documentary weirdo foot like yeah. but it's not it a seems big like movie. it had a big opening it was like at film festivals and shit but it was barely in theaters yeah so so the way it's presented is that he's making this tour documentary he ends up turning the camera more on himself as the thing goes and whatever and kind of the story changes and at the end of it he's like kind of putting the movie together he has like a bad screening of it his brother is like why don't you like make it more about us and then he does and that's kind of the way that it's supposed to be kind of brought together is that the two of them like kind of like like work together as brothers to like make this into a piece of of film about something else that's the way it's presented i don't know if i buy it i kind of (laughs) feel like there's some element of there there's some amount of of thought ahead of time on this there's simply no way that some of the things that happened in this movie happened in real life without somebody making them happen that way. I'm going to having, I saw it in 2013 and I saw it now with a more critical lens. Cause I was imagining you watching it. And I was mm-hmm. like, how much is this just what? Cause I didn't remember like how much of it is just like full songs of the national playing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it isn't, it's like, it's barely any. Yeah. Of you that. get a little bit of it. Um, and it's all good. Fo- I love the concert footage. Yeah, the con- gotta say the concert footage is very nice. And it's it's in places and usually cut together with the the scene at the end stuff. where he's like singing in the hallway or whatever. And and but like and Tom's the, carrying, and Tom is carrying the cable. Loved that. It's incredible. It's very Beautiful emotionally shot, yeah. done. Because but it, who's shooting that? Well, that was just someone else shooting the concert. Obviously. But this is what I mean. Is like there's a lot of stuff in it where it's like there's an extra cameraman, and I don't know who the extra cameraman is. That's something that if you want to like if you you want to get this one by me you're gonna to have to introduce the second cameraman some of it well that you hear karen sometimes holding the camera mm-hmm. um his wife matt's wife um so karen's definitely in on it um i don't think any of the i don't think any of the important stuff is staged like the fighting is real okay like i, I don't believe i think he really got fired <laughs> yeah i think he he really fucked up. I think he really. I, 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 what do you think is fake? here's here's what I think happened is I think he was going there to roadie for real. I think he was going there to make the film for real. 
I think all of that is is legit. I think him getting the job, getting fired, all that's legit. The okay. fights are legit. What I think is that Tom, right, Tom? Yep. I think that Tom, from the get-go, was saying, this is going to be a funny documentary that I'm a character in. I think he knew from the get-go that that's what this was going to be. Because there are scenes sure. that are just like funny in a way that I'm like, you know that you're being funny right now. Like the scene after they meet Obama and it's him and Matt in the car and he's like, listen, like if there's another opportunity to meet the president, I will definitely get you in. <laughs> like there's no fucking way that that wasn't on purpose. <laughs> yeah, I think Tom is a weird character and I can't really put my finger on what his vibe is in real life because mm-hmm. he's clearly he's not that stupid yes he knows he's funny he knows this is funny he's entertaining himself by annoying all of these people yes this is edited like comedy yeah so there's so even if he like is this character who lacks self-awareness who can like you know get himself into all these absurd situations getting himself into trouble and whatever he knows after the fact that what he's watching is a funny movie that other people will think is funny absolutely i mean and that's that's what's important about the movie is that I think it's really I think it's really impressive. Yeah. That he, him and Matt and the rest of the band were able to take themselves not seriously enough to release this. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think any of it was staged, but like most bands wouldn't allow like wouldn't want them to be perceived this way because it's not just Tom that comes off looking like a dipshit. Everyone kind of comes off as like you know there's this real sense of you have to have a bit of an ego and you have to like take things really seriously and that's really embarrassing for a lot of people yeah um and i think tom sort of recognizing like i will be the goofiest one who seems the least professional so that they don't come off awful and then sort of making himself be the outsider right was smart to begin with um, and I think it makes the movie work as, you know, what if a random person was in this world of like famous people? Mm-hmm. Um, because he is. Yeah. Um, and I, th- and I think to have the, the bravery to be like, I really did fuck up and I'm an asshole sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the, but I'm trying to make my brother but have it's a good, still, it still feels like narrative sometimes. Like, that's interesting. Like, for example, the situation where uh, Brendan, the tour manager, is like, did you do the towels? Did you do the water? And then well, later he's like running around like, I got to get the towels. I yeah, got to get the water. That's a funny joke. Yeah. That's that's editing. That's just editing. That's editing. But that's editing to be funny. But right? do you think that he didn't really or he actually oh, no, did do the towels? I think that definitely for okay. sure. Like, but I think that in some way or another as he's doing that he's like, saying like be funny. i'm getting footage of me saying this 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 absolutely the thing that he i must be the thing i just remembered that really felt like it was like on purpose like disingenuous not disingenuous no 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 okay i i'm like trying to figure out how best to like present this because <laughs> what i think is that tom may be the only one who's really in on the joke and Interesting. that matt 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 is I the i keep singer. forgetting the the names yeah, I think Matt is kind of in on the joke. I think Tom presented it to Matt saying, I'm going to make this documentary. It's going to be funny. It's going to be a comedic documentary that's kind of about us. Here's kind of the idea is it's going to be about us as brothers. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be about me being the fuck up, you being the golden child. And it's going to be a funny documentary. Mm-hmm. And that's all he gave him. And then from there, Tom is making this movie with the intention of this will be a funny movie. So these things that he's doing are intentionally like overplayed for the comedic value of them. See, I like that better. So the, I think, I I like think it's better. I, yeah, think it's, yeah. I think it makes it a better movie for sure. Um, because I don't like the idea of it being just like, Oh, I just put this thing out. and It turns out it's funny. Yeah. That's stupid to me. I never like that. But the thing that really tipped me off that I think he was working with this mindset was, the show in LA where he fucks up the guest list and he's like, come on, can you just come downstairs and like, just tell them like, you know, just eyeball them and make sure it's all your guests. And he's like, no, we're going on in 10 minutes. Yeah. Who's out there. And he's like, 
this person, this person, uh, Werner Herzog. <laughs> and Matt's like, Werner Herzog's not there. <laughs> like the, the dropping of Werner Herzog, I was like, no way. No way. No fucking way. <laughs> so you think he's teasing him, basically. Like he's making Matt more anxious yes, on purpose. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah, I buy that. Uh-huh. Absolutely. I think I like that better because I think Tom understands the pathos of what's happening mm-hmm. even as it's happening because it doesn't really make sense that he'd be so incompetent and stupid and then make a movie this good. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's he's a fuck up and he knows he's a fuck up, but he knows he can do something and he wants to do something. And so that that emotion... I think like it gets me when he's like <laughs> telling Matt that he's crying mm-hmm. over the movie and Matt just starts laughing at him. He's like <laughs> over the movie. <laughs> it's a rock documentary. Who cares? And he's like, I would. And then it cuts to him being like, I want to make something good for my brother and for me. And like, he really does like, that's yeah. not, that's not a lie, but he, he knows he needs to like finesse it to make it good. You know? So I, I, I like, I, I think you're right that it it's but i don't think that makes it a disingenuous or like no 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 i that's why i'm trying to like it's think not of a the, banksy the trick, wording you know? <laughs> that i'm trying to come up with is like it's not it because like disingenuous like implies some kind of like malicious intent and i don't think that it's a malicious intent i think it's molded it's it's, it's molded it's on it's purposeful that's yeah. the word I would use. It's purposeful. In He's an, doing these things in a certain way it's for a reason. Not a documentary. Yeah, like it, it's real footage. It's verite. You know, he no one's acting exactly, but he kind of is. Yeah, and he's sort of like making a movie. Like he, it's almost like he had an idea that mm-hmm. he was like, "What if when I'm on tour, I make a thing about me and Matt." And, and like, I'll be the sort of, like, heightened version of myself. Yes. Where I'm an asshole who doesn't know anything. Exactly, yes. And then I'll make this thing where I impress him with my good movie. Yes. And, and that was, and like, that's, his... And then, and then Matt is somewhat in on it. Like I he don't, knows him. I don't like... think he's totally in on it, but I think he's, like, enough in on it that he can play up moments, like, you know, like, if we ever get to meet the president again, I promise <laughs> you, you'll get to meet the president. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean... Uh, what actually happens in the movie we haven't really said but it's it's pretty simple it's they go on tour he fucks up a lot he tries to interview other people of the band and sort of ends up just talking about matt yeah um aaron and and bryce and and uh and everybody else in the band humors him really well yeah i'm very i'm very intrigued by that too like that like nobody ever the only person who ever gets annoyed with him is matt right everybody else is <laughs> well, like and brandon the tour manager well yes but i mean like he's not acting <laughs> in terms of the band i know that guy <laughs> in terms of the band like those guys are all like having fun with him for the most part yeah um you actually know the tour manager no guy? No, no, no no i don't i don't but know you know person. that character i know that yes. guy who's like this is my job and i don't care how like if you don't think the stakes are high because people aren't getting their chips or whatever, fuck you. Yeah, like yeah, this yeah. is my job. Definitely for sure. And yeah. and he is real mad at him the whole time. Although the thing with that that I was a little curious about, they seem to find office space everywhere. That's interesting to me. Hotels have those. I guess yeah, they have mm-hmm. like little business centers. It's interesting though. Like there there like so many scenes take place in little offices and I'm like what (laughs) yeah i mean they're staying in hotels that like you know they'll rent five you know right yeah because they're at a level where they're playing huge venues and the high violet is about to come out like Mm -hmm. they're you know on the upwards so many people on tour with them too they're i know they've got their their manager yeah Yeah, and that's like whose manager goes on tour with them i mean my manager goes on tour with us sometimes like Mm. i mean he's not coming on this tour but like if you do a big enough tour your tour manager can be your manager. Right, yeah, um, sure. If you're a big enough band, you have two. You have a manager and your tour manager. Maybe you have multiple people. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because I think this movie really, I mean, I have never, obviously never done a tour of this scale, but like it really captures tour in a way that I don't think most other mm-hmm. documentaries, rock, like rock documentaries do. Yeah, they're always like very keen to like, and, and it's funny, he even, uh, uh, 
he jokes about this a little bit or jokes about it. like he he's like i'm disappointed no 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 when he's like uh assembling the footage and he's talking about like the different colors of the different types of shot and whatever on his post-its and he's like these ones are footage of the road yeah <laughs> And I'm like, I'm like, that is such a fucking band tour documentary yeah. thing to have is footage of like the road and cars Just driving and whatever. By. We're on the road. That's what these movies always are is like, it's romanticizing the travel and like seeing all the stuff and all the hijinks that you get up to on the tour. This one is very good at presenting like the humdrum nature of tour and like the, the way that like it's a job that everybody does and like the band is putting in a shift and it whatever sucks and it's boring and you just have to like there's there's multiple scenes where there's like one of the band members is literally just like staring at a wall yeah like not they're not on their phone they're just like <sighs> yeah the, the drummer guy just like fucking around on his laptop just being like i think i saw him go downstairs yeah because <laughs> there's so much hurry up and wait you know yeah. you're driving and you're like okay we got to get there we got to get there and then you're there for load in and then it's like all right in two hours yeah then we'll do sound check and it's like okay maybe i'll get a sandwich or i'll sit here <laughs> yeah um and that you know it's very boring all for like 30 minutes of really fun playing mm-hmm. and then then you're on but the even next that one. like the the way that it's presented here like when you're a band at the scale of the national where it's like it's fun but it's also it's your job and there's yeah. that scene where he's like yeah like when he comes off stage he like he looks at me like he doesn't even know me <laughs> yeah and karen's like well, he has to go to like a place yeah, to like yeah, do yeah. the like, performance. He has, to, like, he has to like get himself to a different place and you're like, damn, like that's pretty wild. No, I mean, I... I and it's not to... romanticized at all. That's what I love about it yeah. is that like that would be the kind of thing where it's like in another kind of rock documentary, they'd be like, you know, he has Tell to go to... Tell me about a, your mental state. He has when to you go, go to a different place. Yeah, but Tom is just like, why isn't he being nice to me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And his wife is just like, you really can't take it personally. Yeah. It's, it is what it is. It feels so normal and real because, yeah. I mean, and, you know, being a musician, it's like, recently, I've, you know, I played the Bowery uh, for like, what is that, like 500 people? Yeah. I was like going to throw up. Like, mm-hmm. he feels awful before you go on stage, you know? Yeah. And I can't imagine, you know, like... I didn't used to have stage fright, but like oh, since pandemic, it's just been so bad. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm going to pass out every time we play a show. And it's like, if you're nervous at all, like Matt has said in interviews, he used to drink like most of a bottle of wine before yeah. going on stage. When I started, um, when I started stand up for my first year, I would drink like three or four drinks before I'd get on stage every single time. Cause you and get that's nervous. Like, yeah. And that's like every single open mic. So like, that's like <laughs> multiple times a week drinking like three or four drinks a night. Like yeah. I was fucked up <laughs> all the time. Yeah. I mean, that's why people, I mean, that's why musicians like get addicted to drugs and stuff to yeah. just like level them out because uh-huh. it's, it's emotionally very taxing. I highly, highly recommend and folks at home. If you're uh, in a position where you have stage fright, highly recommend getting beta blockers really yes what's that it's a uh it's a it's a medication for uh, old people for heart stuff heart and blood pressure type things uh but what it does is it just like mellows out your heart rate Mm -hmm. so that when you're on stage like you don't get that like physical reaction of stage fright and then like your brain just kind of follows suit Hmm. it's pretty sick they're very nice Nice. and they they're fine for you as far as i understand it I really? had them, yeah, because I had high blood pressure from spending a year drinking so much <laughs> and uh, being high stress all the yeah. time. Yeah, and so my my doctor was like, "Here, have these for your blood pressure," and then I just started taking them recreationally for for stand up purposes, basically as anxiety medication. Exactly, yes. Uh, and then um, I at some stage I talked to my doctor about it, and I was like, "Is it okay to just take these kind of whenever?" And he's like, "Yeah, you really can't like." go too wrong with them they're like if you take too many of them you'll just fall asleep oh weird and it's like <laughs> all right cool <laughs> sounds fun yeah interesting i'll Beta have to blockers. check that out yeah anyway he uh matt is using wine uh and then he gets kicked out because he gets left off of the band the bus and then oh yeah, yeah he doesn't show up for the bus he basically like stays too long at a bar and they drive two hours without him and they're yeah. like you know what fuck you like the tour manager <laughs> fires him as he's filming him. He's like, are you yeah, sure yeah. you want this on film? <laughs> uh, and this is the thing, like you're saying, like Tom knows he wants the footage. He has like a sort of jackass yeah, yeah, like exactly. sensibility about it where it's like, it's not about 
what I think. It's like, I just need everything. Right, exactly. And I don't think that Matt and Karen would like invite him to stay in their house in Brooklyn. Yeah, that's the funniest thing to me is that like the last scene we see of them before that is like they have this big, huge fight. I guess this is kind of like in keeping with the brotherhood theme of it, right? Is it's like they have this huge fight uh, after, you know, he fucks up and, and makes them waste all those hours driving or whatever. And then the very next scene well they spend a little interlude at the parents house showing interviewing the the art and whatever but then the very next scene is just like tom is at matt's house and he's like yeah you can stay here as long as you want yeah like don't worry about money just finish your movie yeah and And they're like damn like you gotta gotta know that they're like close enough and matt believes in him enough and he's not so much of a fuck up that he doesn't think he's gonna fin- not finish the movie exactly or at the very like, least he's like he is a loving brother who is trying to be like i'm trying to give you an opportunity the opportunity to finish a project like i am fine with money it doesn't matter just chill here yeah and so he does he 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 uses a macbook or a imac and a macbook and Tears through it on Final Cut Pro. Yeah, he has like a thing. He has a screening that doesn't go well. It was like it's like in front of a performance in the city. Yeah, looks like King's Theater, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, they screen the movie, and it like keeps stopping and like cuts off, and so he's like, "Well, it gives you a chance to recut," and so he ends up doing that, and yeah, and then there's sort of this him sort of finding the movie, but. As we say, I think he knew what the I think movie he was going to be. Movie it was going to be, yeah, because it it looks like mostly it's it's not like a straight up tour documentary that he's like, what if I in the editing room make about my brother? Like he definitely knows he's going to make yeah. it about that. Uh, so, and, and I just read that like last year, Matt said in an interview that like they had been working on a TV show mm-hmm. for HBO and like pitched it to HBO and Netflix together. Interesting, and are like have footage for like a sequel to this movie nice um so they're still he's still working i want to see him make more stuff man yeah it's fun movie i mean i i was really surprised when i saw this in 2013 14 probably because of festivals yeah um i probably saw this in 2014 and and i was really surprised that it's a really touching movie about jealousy kind of and like yeah creativity and like what that looks like for different people. Like it clearly can't, you know, Matt went through a lot of like the national famously were like DIYing it hard for Mm -hmm. a long time. Like their first three albums, like were mostly paid by themselves on small labels. Like, you know, they weren't very big uh, for a long time and, you know, they were getting into their thirties before they like had a break. Um, so he went through a lot of stuff and then you've got Tom who's nine years younger and like is like, wow, you made it and I don't even do anything, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and like that sort of like fuck up feeling of like, should I have been trying for the past nine years? Do I have time? Um, you know, you have a beautiful wife and child and live in Brooklyn and I live with my mom in Cincinnati, you know? Yeah. Like, and he's 30 something. Yeah, I like- think it's a really sweet portrait of like what that means and having a chance to do something that, matters to you um it's funny and uh it's good it's good it's a sweet movie so I'm glad, i recommend it i'm glad you liked it uh i was i was worried that it might be uh a little too inside baseball with the national i could not yeah, i couldn't I remember but it absolutely isn't it's a it's a movie about playing music and making movies and trying to make your family happy so i highly recommend it it's a cool movie yeah it's a cool movie all right well Thanks for listening to Generation Loss. This has been the show. If you'd like to hear more of the show, you can go to patreon.com slash generation loss. There we have bonus episodes, usually about the movie news. This week, lots of fun movie news. Lots of news. Uh, (laughs) uh, But we have been reviewing movies sometimes. We did Jackass Forever. We uh, did the Matrix Resurrections. You know, we'll do some stuff. We're... um, one day going to do Sopranos season three. One of these days. Uh, we must be close, right? I don't know. We'll we'll see. Uh, why don't you go, listener, to patreon.com slash generation laws and see how many... T- see how close it is. And if you're not one of those people... Why don't you sign up? Make the number go up. Why don't you make the number go up? <laughs> and then we'll do uh, Sopranos season so three. So Bryn can finally be set free. Yeah, so I can watch 
half of the show. <laughs> uh, otherwise, we have Discord uh, benefits there. You can hang out with us in the Discord. We have made two new channels in the past month. Wow. Plays, which is about video games, and Sia's Music, which is about music. Uh, <laughs> Sia as in, I I never got around to asking this, but it, it is like Sia the musician, Sia's Music. The 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 forbidden movie. <laughs> right, yes, of course. Uh, <laughs> um, yes, Sia's Music. Uh, yeah, so we've, we, you know, we're hanging out. It's a wow, good time. Wow, that's almost five channels. That's almost five <laughs> channels. Plus, you can watch the movie that we're going to watch uh on the episode later when we started the ball out super discord i just like set it so that every new member had the exact same privileges as me <laughs> is that why there's so many channels yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just people are like oh i want to make a channel about this niche interest I literally have. like there was like an anime channel and then people were talking about sailor moon too much so they made a sailor moon channel and then every channel and there's just like so many channels there's so many archived channels from, sure yeah because at some stage uh i just like conscripted one of the fans to be like you're the you're the mod now you, <laughs> you take care of this <laughs> how can there be a mod if everyone can make and delete literally, channels? Yeah, literally everybody i believe i may be wrong about this but i believe from the get-go everybody was able to ban each other too yeah <laughs> did you take that away <laughs> i don't know i don't remember <laughs> this is like a social experiment <laughs> the stanford prison experiment yeah anyway uh ours isn't like that it's normal you can get banned if you're an asshole uh <laughs> and but it's so it's a nice little place yeah um but also wow. normal discord wow normal discord <laughs> with movies um so yeah patreon.com slash generation loss otherwise we'll see you next time see you next time <laughs>